How you guys doing? Oh my gosh, are you even paying attention? I'll ask you again. How you guys doing? Oh man. I'll try it one more time, one more time, one more time. More energy. How are you guys doing? There you go. It's like a, like a medium energy. Uh, all right, so we are starting a new series, if you couldn't tell by the slide, known, um, Pursuing Meaningful Relationships in a Distracted World. Um, and essentially what this series is about is, is we live in a world that wants to distract you. In a world that actually isn't working for your benefit. There are actually things that are designed to, to waste your time and to have you become addicted to them so that you kind of just get wrapped up in them. And you might be like, well, what are you talking about? I, 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 I'm talking about certain things, and this might make you be like, whoa, whoa, whoa. You're like bashing all the things I care about. But in all honesty, it's things like video games. It's things like social media. It's things like uh, Netflix and Disney Plus. Oh, Disney Plus. Oh, no, how dare you mention that. Um, it's even like sports and, and grades in school. And the thing is, all these things are good things, but they are designed to actually keep us distracted and keep us trapped within them. And if you're looking at me, you're like, what? What are you talking about? Uh, don't take it from me. Take it from the guy, one of the people who invented Facebook and who also helped uh, found Instagram. Uh, they said this. They said it literally changes your relationship with society and with each other. It probably interferes with productivity in weird ways. God only knows what it's doing to our children's brains. He explained that when Facebook was being developed, the objective was, how do we consume as much of your time and conscious attention as possible? It was this mindset that led the creation of features like the like button that would give users a little dopamine hit. If you don't know what dopamine is, it's actually a drug that goes off in your brain that makes you addicted to something. It makes you be like, wow, that feels so... When you eat chocolate, your brain's like, wow, chocolate, that's so good. You wonder why it's so hard to not eat chocolate because your brain's like, woo, I like that. And the like button was designed to actually do the same thing in your head. And so it would encourage people to upload more content. It's a social validation feedback loop. Exactly the kind of thing that a hacker like myself would come up with because, when you're, ex because you're exploiting a vulnerability in human psychology. So that is something that someone who helped found Facebook and Instagram said about their apps. That they are actually designed to make you addicted and distracted from the things that are actually important. That is what they're made to do because that's how they make money. But it's not just social media that has betrayed you and keeping you distracted. It's also Netflix. When, when the founder of Netflix was asked if he is concerned about other streaming services like Amazon Prime and like Disney Plus or like YouTube, his response to that question as to whether or not he was afraid of those streaming services or whether or not they were competition with him was this. He said, when you watch a show from Netflix and you get addicted to it, you stay up late at night. We're competing with sleep. It's a very large pool of time. So when, when the guy who runs Netflix is asked, are you worried about these other streaming services? His immediate response is, not really. I'm more concerned that like, people have to sleep because then they can't use my app, which is crazy. Like These are things that the people who invented this actually say about their apps. And so if you think that these things are actually working for you, they're not. They're actually distracting you intentionally. It's what they're made to do. And they're good things. I like Netflix. I like social media. I like video games. I like sports. Um, but the thing is, this is what they're made to do. And so what's the problem with it? What's the problem with being distracted? 
The thing is that, that, that if you're always moving, if you're always distracted by something, you never actually slow down long enough to actually have space to encounter God. And if you're always distracted and always moving and always trapped in these things, you'll never slow down enough to like look on the inside, see what's going on, and come before God and be like, I want to know you. And not only do I want to know you, I want to get to know you. But we're so trapped in these things that 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 doesn't happen. In fact, if this is all you do, that can't even happen. Because here's my main point tonight, and it's this. It's that it's impossible to give God your attention when you're stuck in distraction. And so we're going to look... at a passage in the Bible in the New Testament in the book of Philippians, chapter 3. Philippians is a letter that a guy named Paul, who was one of the early followers of Jesus, wrote to this church in Philippi. That's why it's called Philippians. And um, he wrote to them, and what he wants to do is encourage them to actually follow God better. He is writing this letter to, to tell them what they need to do to follow God better. And so Philippians 3 says this. It says, Paul says, join In imitating me, brothers and sisters, pay careful attention to those who live according to the example you have in us. And so Paul writes to this church, and he writes something really weird. Like, you always hear, follow Jesus. Like, everyone's always talking about, you got to follow Jesus, you got to follow Jesus. But Paul says something weird, and he says, follow me. Which is so strange, because we're like, aren't we supposed to follow Jesus? What do you mean? I'm supposed to follow you? I'm so confused. But the reason why Paul says it is because Paul goes, Jesus isn't around. But there are people around you who you look at and you're like, man, if there is someone who loves Jesus and has their life that is not distracted, it's this person. What Paul is saying is that you need to see those people in your lives like Paul was for the Philippians and look at how do they live their life. This person who I look up to is like, man, if someone knows God, it's this person. Paul is actually saying that you need to look at those people and go, how do they live their lives? And then to actually organize your life to try and, try and fit into that because they're actually onto something. Because most of those people who are actually following Jesus really intensely, who we look up to, they've actually arranged their life so that they're not distracted. And so for me, when I went to Briarcrest, which is a Bible college after I was done high school, went to college, I was kind of a mess still. And, and for my first year, I kind of like stumbled around, confused, and in a daze. And I eventually realized halfway through the year, I was like, I need somebody to help me badly. And so I searched high and low for someone that I could look to to mentor me. I had mentors in my past. I had pastors, and I had friends who were like, man, you really care about Jesus. Can we, like, meet so that you can tell me how I'm dumb and then encourage me to do the smart thing that I know I should be doing? And so when I was in college, I was looking for someone like this, and, and, and people kept telling me, you need to talk to this guy named Cody. You need to talk to this guy named Cody. And so eventually I met this dude. I had no idea who he really was. He was some bald guy who wore really skinny jeans like me. Uh, he wore a jean jacket every day and a black shirt. Uh, and, and, and he was kind of wily. He was weird. But I was like, can we meet for coffee? And to my surprise, he said yes. So we went out for coffee. We met. And and as I sat across the table from him, I told him, I need someone to show me how to follow Jesus better. I need someone who's actually farther along in my faith than me to call out all the stuff that I'm missing, to see the blind spots in my life that I'm not getting. 
and to also encourage me and push me and, and give me an example of what it looks like to follow Jesus. And to my surprise, he agreed. And so for my two years at Briarcrest, we met every week. We would sit across the table, and he would share all the crazy things he was learning about Jesus. He'd ask me how my life was. I'd tell him, or he'd see things and be like, hey, you need to stop playing video games. You play them every day for eight hours a day. That's a problem. Have you read your Bible this week? No. Uh, that's a problem. And so he would, he would encourage me, but we'd, he would also call me out and challenge me to follow Jesus better. And the thing is that, that even today, I don't meet with Cody often because he lives in Calgary now and I live here, so we just don't see each other. But I still find myself asking, asking myself, like, if Cody were in this situation, what would he do? Like, if he were actually here, how would he respond? How would he handle this situation? Is this the way that he would live his life? Because he wakes up at, like, 5 a.m. to read the Bible and pray, and I wake up at, like, 11 p.m. and go straight to my phone and to video games. And even still, I find, myself, I find myself encouraged by him and his example. And I find that I can actually still follow him as he follows Jesus. Not because he is my Jesus and I'm following him instead of Jesus. But instead, he follows Jesus so closely that I can look at his life and go, that's what I want to be like. And so I want to ask you this. Who are you following? Who are the people in your life that you can look to to follow? Who are the people that you can meet with in your life and talk to who can challenge you and push you and tell you, hey, this needs to stop or this is really good. Like, you're doing a really good job here. Do you even have someone like that? Is it, is it a, a, a family member or a small group leader or a pastor in this church or a friend that you can look to and be like, I need someone to help. I need someone who's farther along than me to actually call me out and help me to follow them. Because here's the thing. Everybody's following somebody, whether you know it or not. And actually, if you're not paying attention, the person you're following is going to lead you down a path that you're going to regret. And so Paul says this next. He says, For I have often told you, and now I say again with tears, that many, not a few, not a couple people, but many, live as enemies of the cross of Christ. Why are they enemies? Well, their end is destruction. Their God is their stomach, and their glory is in their shame. They focused on earthly things. And so Paul says that there are actually people who are not on God's team, and it's not just a couple people. It's actually a bunch of people. It's not just like Adolf Hitler and all the people were like, oh, yeah, that guy is probably bad. It's like, no, there's a lot of people who are not on God's team. And you might look at what they do and be like, oh, yeah, it's because they killed people or they're a liar or whatever. But Paul actually goes, no, it's because they're distracted. And, and he talks about the stomach, which is weird. You're like, they're following their stomachs. What, these guys hungry all the time? What is their problem? Why are they, why are they hungry? Why is that a problem? It's a metaphor that they're actually, their desires are their God. What they want is their God. It's not Jesus. It, it, it's not God the Father. It's not the Holy Spirit. It's themselves. And it's the things that they want to do. And the problem with that is that if, if, if your desires are your God, it's a really crappy God. Because one, it cannot save you. Two, it's going to lead you down a path of destruction because it cannot save you. And three, you're going to be stuck in it because you are just going to have to feed it over and over and over again 
like you have to feed yourself. And the thing is that Paul actually says that these things that we long for are actually the earthly things and that they're actually a false God. They are something that looks kind of like God but isn't. And so entertainment is a good thing. I don't want you to be like, oh, I can never watch Netflix ever again. That's what Aiden said. No. I'm saying that in entertainment, there is something that you're looking for. You are trying to fill some kind of desire inside of you. But the problem is that, that it will never actually fill you. You will be hungry again and again and again until you die. And the problem with this is that by the time you die, you'll realize, oh, shoot. The only thing I cared about in my life was the stuff that's on the world and not actually the God who loves me and wants a relationship with me and can save me. And so Paul here wants to challenge you and say, say, are you, are you heading down the path of distracted destruction? With the way you live your life, with how you spend your time, do you actually live it in a way that you're spending it with God? With the thing that actually matters, with the person who can actually satisfy you? Or is it just distraction? Do you just go home and you just waste your time? When was the last time you read a book of the Bible? Not just a little verse. When was the last time you read a book? Some books are like one chapter. When was the last time? When was the last time you actually prayed? And it wasn't just a laundry list of things you wanted from God like a genie. It was actually a real conversation that you had. When was the last time that someone was hurting and broken and you came alongside them and showed them what Jesus is like? Because Paul says that when we are distracted by our desires, we kind of lose focus of what really matters. And as we do that, we head into destruction and we didn't even realize it. Because we were so busy and we were so time consumed and life moved so fast that we never stopped to ask the important questions. Are you heading down the path of distracted destruction? But there's another option. You don't have to do this. Paul says this next. He says, but our citizenship is in heaven. We eagerly wait for a savior from there. The Lord Jesus Christ, he will transform the body of our humble condition into the likeness of his glorious body by the power that enables him to subject everything to himself. And so Paul says something incredibly encouraging here, that if you want to change, if you don't want to live your life distracted by things that don't matter at the end of the day, then you actually have an opportunity to become a citizen of heaven. And this doesn't mean that when you die, you go to heaven. That, that will happen. But that is not all that this is saying. It's saying so much more than just that. Because if I tell you I'm a Canadian citizen, what I'm not saying is, when I die, I go to Canada. That's not what that means. It's like if I say I'm a Canadian citizen, it means that I was born from Canada. My DNA is Canadian. That is who I am. And when you actually choose to turn your eyes from these things that distract to Jesus and actually get to know him and have a relationship with him, when you actually slow down enough to get to know him, you become a citizen of heaven. Your DNA is different. You are born from a different kind. You are no longer Canadian. You are no longer whatever your other backgrounds may be. You are a citizen of heaven today, now. 
And the crazy thing about that is what that means is that now you are at a place where you have been given the ability to follow God. Where you don't have to be distracted anymore or follow the ways of this world, but you can actually reach the point of being a mentor to other people. And you can actually reach a point in your life where you can look at others and say, follow me as I follow Jesus. Because it isn't just about getting to heaven when you die. It's about living as if you're in heaven now. And so with that, the reason why I bring this all up, the reason why I want you to be aware of how distracted you really are, because if we're honest, we all are incredibly distracted, myself included. I struggle with video game addiction and wanting to just watch Netflix all day and getting stuck in the YouTube loop of never-ending content like everybody else. But I need to check myself because at the end of the day, it's impossible to give God your attention when you're stuck in distraction. And so one last question before you head to small groups is this. Are you making space to know and be known by God? Are you actually allowing there to be space where you can get to know God and where you can allow him to come and get to know you? And it's not that he doesn't already know you. He does. But he wants you to invite him in to have a relationship. And so are you allowing that? Are you making space to pray? Maybe it's just instead of when you wake up, instead of pulling out your phone or your iPad, you just go, nope, for the first 10 minutes, I'm going to just read my Bible instead of going to my phone first. Or maybe it's just setting an alarm on your phone where at, at 10.30, I'm going to read my Bible for 10 minutes, and that's better than what I did yesterday, so I don't care. Even if it's something small like that, that's awesome. Or maybe it's actually finding a mentor who can push you and help you and encourage you and challenge you to follow Jesus better, who you look up to. But here's the thing, that if you just want to keep doing the way everybody else does in the world and just live with all of this distraction that even the people who made it admit that that's what they're doing to you, then it's going to be impossible to actually give God your attention because you're going to be stuck in distraction. And so with that, I'm going to pray, and then you guys can head off into small groups. Uh, dear God, we thank you that you are a God who is better, um, who is more fun and enjoyable, who satisfies more and is greater than any of the things that we get distracted by. God, I pray that you would help us to actually believe that you are better than those things. Help us to actually rearrange our lives to where when we look at our time on a schedule, it's clear that you are the priority. Not ourselves, not our own stomachs, not our own desires, but you are. God, I pray that you would help us all to follow you. Help us to be citizens of heaven who love you, who care about you, who have a relationship with you, and who love others. God, I pray that you would help us do that. In Jesus' name, amen.